Amen. Now let's take a moment and get close to God as we usually do. Would you just lift your hands across this room and begin to talk to the Lord? Amen. You don't need my help this morning. Just talk to Him. Speak to the Lord. Let Him know you're here in His house. God, we've approached You today. We've approached Your sanctuary, Lord, and we wish to commune with You, God. We don't necessarily need to receive anything from this service, Lord. If we just commune with You, God, if you do wish to speak something to us, if you wish to set a word before us, God, do a wonder before us, Lord, we will love you for it, God, and we'll praise you, and you'll get the glory for it, Jesus. Teach us, Lord. We want to learn from your word, God. Speak to your people in Jesus' name, and let your spirit saturate this house, God. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to mention to you just really quickly and get this out of the way a few things that is going on because we do not have a bulletin this morning. Pastor usually prints that off. And so uh, you need to hear this, okay? The last Sunday of this month, last Sunday of this month is going to be Pastor Appreciation Sunday here at New Life. Now, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. So when you see him, uh, do talk to him, tell him something nice. You might do something nice for Pastor and, and Sister LaRue, but just don't go out of the room right now so they can hear it. But on the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have dinner in the back and we're going to present them with something from the church that morning. So you don't want to miss that. You'll want to be a part of that. Uh, let's see. Not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday is going to be a church cleaning day. And so in place of regular service, we're still having a prayer meeting. You don't want to miss prayer meeting, but the Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, we're going to have a church cleaning day. We'll have a list of things that can be done around here. Um, you can always improve on the look of the church, and we want to present this place as it is beautiful. It is a beautiful building, and we want to present it that way. So we're going to do a little bit of cleaning. It won't be a late night, but uh, you, you, you want to be a part of that. Uh, also, uh, this is important. The very last day of the month is Halloween, and we usually do something with the church. We're going to be doing a trunk or treat this year. And we, we haven't done that in a while. There's a lot of churches that do it. So... Uh, if you don't know exactly what that is, uh, anybody that wants to be a part of it, we've got a sign-up sheet in the entryway right now. And you can pull your truck up to the church. We're going to have it organized and have your trunk open. And you can decorate it and, and dress to a biblical character. You can dress to a nation, a nationality, or, uh, or some character or something. Our only ask is let's not make it something evil. Okay? Uh, let's let's make it something positive, hallelujah, because we're going to see plenty of everything else. And we're going to have a chili cook-off the same night, and so uh, that's going to be going on. All There's going to be food and stuff here in the church, and you don't want to miss out on that. So that's the last day of the month on a Thursday here at the church. It'll be an opportunity for outreach. Amen. So everybody say amen to that. Amen. All right. Got all that kind of out of the way for a minute. Uh I know that you don't have the scriptures before you, so if you want to turn with me, I don't know, Brother Blake, you got these scriptures? Good deal. All right. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25 is where we're headed. 
And we're talking about David. We've talked about leadership, respect, submission, all revolving around leadership in the church and the story of David, different people he interacted with, and the integrity that David had in dealing with leadership, even an evil man such as Saul. And we're going to continue in that vein this morning, and we're going to talk about leadership and peacemaking. Leadership and peacemaking. Everybody say peace. Peace. How many love peace? Amen. Amen. You know what peace is to me? I don't know what it is to you, but peace to me is fishing out on the pond. Peace to me is in a canoe or a kayak on Spring River. Amen. And there's not a whole lot like it. Peace to me is out in the country on a porch sitting on a chair and there's not cars going by that you can hear. What you hear is a hummingbird or a woodpecker, something of that nature. That's peace. You know what I'm saying? And it's not all the time that we have peace in our homes. But God wants you to have peace in your home. Amen. Amen. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So 1 Samuel chapter 25, I'm going to read some verses here. Verse 23, it says this, Now when Abigail saw David, everybody say Abigail. So we got a new character introduced to our story here. She dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Speak, please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel, Nabal. Everybody say scoundrel. Nabal. Nabal. Amen. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom he sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Skip down to verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Key verses. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me? Surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. It's a unique, interesting story. I suppose doesn't get preached on a whole lot. Uh, we're going to dive into it this morning, and we're going to talk about peace. Now, 
I want to say from the outset this morning, I don't usually say things like this, but I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost to speak a few things in this house. And I'm going to, in teaching, and I'm going to in preaching before this service is over with. I feel it very strongly. Right now, I'm going to talk about peace, though. And there is to be peace in the homes of the servants of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And if you do not have peace in your home, that does not mean that you can't have peace in your home. That's right. Now, this weekend I went and uh, was able to fellowship with the district youth committee, of which I'm a part of, and we planned out different things that we're going to be doing with the youth in Arkansas. And we had our meetings, but beforehand they took us out to eat. Has anybody ever been to Benny Hans? got two. Has anybody heard of Benny Hines? Does anybody think I'm speaking in tongues right now? <laughs> Hallelujah. Benny Hines, if you don't know what that is, if you've ever been to one of these places where they cook, I guess, Japanese in front of you at the table, that's the idea generally, but it's a little more upscale. I don't know if it's like the original version of that or what, but it's pretty good quality food. So we go to Benihana's and we've got a group of maybe 30 people, you know, and uh, we all sit down and the place is packed out. It's full. And we sit down and we make our orders and everything. And early on, this begins happening. Uh, all of a sudden, all of the workers and the people begin to gather around a table and clapping their hands really loud and they put a hat on somebody and everybody's screaming. And I want you to understand for a minute that the place is already loud because it's packed out and you've got these grills in front of you. Well, there's the vents that are running, right? And those, the hum of all the grills in the room is loud enough. You got the cooking going on, everybody's hollering. And uh, then we've got this birthday celebration, you know, and so everybody, you know, when that happens in a restaurant, and turns around and says, like, oh, it's their birthday, you know, and you clap or maybe sing with them, and, and you go on about your meal. Well, it happened once. It happened twice. It happened five times. It probably happened 15 times in, in the time we were sitting in this restaurant. And it just began, it became humorous. Everybody's looking around, well, who's next? You know, I mean, every table in this place... I don't know if it's that when you have a birthday, you've got to go to Benihana's. <laughs> but <clears throat> about the 12th time, I'm sitting right next to Brother Anthony Farrell, youth pastor in Jonesboro. You've got to understand, Brother Farrell, he cannot be serious about a single thing. And uh, he, he <laughs> they get done with the 12th time, right at the end of it, everybody's clapping. And Brother Farrell goes, one more time, like that, you know. And I'm like, Brother Farrell, if they do it one more time, I'm just going to set my face on this grill, you know. I, I've heard it so many times. It's so loud in this room. There's no peace. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so if you want peace, don't go to Benny Hans. Amen. But there's times in, in our world in which there's so much evil that's expressed through news 
outside of what's going on in your own life that you deal with every day, and you consume everything that's taking place, you can be removed of peace very quickly. And what I'm telling you today is at the moment where we don't have peace, really, it's nobody's fault but our own if we don't pray ourselves into peace. You can pray yourself into peace. When we pray through the tabernacle, one of the pillars that we pass by is the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. And when you get to that point, you ought to find you some peace and know that he's the peace keeper. Amen. He, he ministers peace to us. Perfect peace, the Bible says. Amen. Maybe you've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize. Been handed out to all kind of people. Some of these people are not peaceful people, but nonetheless, they got a Nobel Peace Prize. Amen. All kinds of people. And um, we, we, we respect peace. And even in a time when we're not at war, we're not really in a real war in our world today. There's conflict with nations, but we're not in a real war, yet we still don't have peace. Right. We may have less peace than what we would have in a war. The world is just in chaos at times, it seems. And you can let that invade your peace in God. If you get consumed in all that. And as we begin to teach truth to our children. And our grandchildren passing it down from generation to generation. God's purpose becomes a fortress of strength and truth against the devil's strategy. And we got to do everything in our power to keep our family strong and unified and grounded in truth. Everybody say truth. We ought to be grounded in truth. Our young people, our kids need to know truth. Yes. And it don't need to be something that they hear about when they're 18 years old. Don't need to be something they hear about at 15. They need to hear it early on that there's one God. Amen. They need to hear it early on that there's no other way to be saved. And they don't just need to be told that. They need to be taught that. Amen. And that's why we have Sunday school. That's why we teach it here. But also it's got to be in the homes. It's got to be demonstrated in the homes that this is what we believe. This is why we believe it. Amen. And even in uh, the godliest person's home and family, every family experiences ups and downs. And there may be that one person, if there's only one, that's dealing with struggle or addiction that that one person and what they're dealing with can cause struggle and less peace for a whole family. That's right. Maybe you're serving God to a T, but because one person in your household is not, peace can leave. This is what I'm talking about today. Our homes... Even if not everybody has the Holy Ghost. Even if there's an evil person in our homes, we can still have peace. We can make peace happen because God listens to his children. Amen. And he wants to give his children peace. 
Amen. No matter what we're going through or what you feel, God wants you to have peace. And God has enabled a leader in each family, at least one. It may be a mother. It may be a father. It could even be a grandparent. But whatever the dynamics of the family, there is someone that God has empowered to be the leader. And the wisdom and love of that leader can guide a family through a time of crisis. Sometimes it's at a point where it's time for some tough love. This is what this family is going to do. Right. This is what we're going to believe. This is the way we're going to talk. Amen. And that stability and that leadership in a home can change the trajectory from the way it was going. Amen. And so it's, it's essential that there's a spiritual leader in a home. And, it, you know, we, I know it's expressed widely throughout Christianity that, well, the husband is the spiritual leader of the home. And yes, okay, but, but I'm going to tell you this, if the husband is not even serving God, the woman in the home can be a pillar for God anyway. Right. And ought to be anyway. Amen. And together they ought to hold that home up. But if there's just one, it can be anybody. You can hold that home up for God. And there can be peace in that home. And God's appointed leader in the family must guide that family back to the real peace of God while living in the midst of chaos that may be going on. And people that are doing things to the contrary. Amen. There can be a pillar in a home that holds it up around chaos. Hallelujah. Now, in this situation that we read of, Nabal was a wealthy man. And he owned, the Bible says, 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep. Uh, I take that to be a wealthy man. Uh, I guess that makes me poor because I don't own either. Hallelujah. I don't plan to, but evidently Nabal's wealth had a negative effect on his character. Something was not right with this man. And he became hard to get along with, became arrogant and cantankerous. Even his servants were aware, evidently the scripture tells of us, of his moody, mean ways. There was a spirit that was about this man that was wrong. And David's army, now this is the situation. Sometimes it's hard to see it in Scripture, but I'm going to tell you what the situation is here. David and his army are encamped next to Nabal's property, this rich man. And so, while they're encamped there, David tells his men, that's Nabal's farm, that's his estate, what I want you men to do while we're stationed here, I'm going to give you something to do. I want you to watch after his livestock. Now, Nabal didn't know this, didn't have to, but this is the kind of man that David was. Now, I don't see Saul doing something like this. Saul was concerned with himself. David was concerned with God and with others. And so he says, I want you to watch, keep watch over the sheep and, uh, and the goats. Make sure nobody comes to steal them or, or something happens while you're here. This is what you're going to do. And they kept watch. And as night approached, David's soldiers kept a watch on the shepherds and assured their safety. And Nabal had not asked David to do this, but he did it anyway. And it was courtesy to the man who owned the land next to the camping spot. And so for a time, all was well. This was working out fine. 
And David's men in Nabal's household enjoyed a mutually peaceful and friendly relationship. Nothing wrong was going on. And the conflict in this story arose during the time of harvest. I want you to pay attention to that. The conflict came in the time of harvest when somebody is receiving, when somebody's getting blessed. This is when the conflict arose. Sheep shearing season was here, and it was time for celebration and earnings. It was also a time of reaping and gathering, and David sent some men requesting that they participate in the celebration in Nabal's household and reminding Nabal of the service David and his men had given by protecting the shepherds and the flocks. While they were in the fields, David didn't ask for money or payment for doing all that. He merely asked Nabal this, to share his provisions with David's men. So they come. Hey, we just want you to know we've been making sure that nobody attacks your men. Nobody takes your livestock. And David sent us here just to celebrate with you and nourish ourselves. David just asked for a gesture of gratitude. That's all it was. But the unexpected happened. Nabal, ungrateful, now she said in the scripture, scoundrel, Nabal, showed a selfish ambition and arrogance rather than reciprocating respectfully and integrity. Nabal stormed in fury. Who is this David? Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? And when David's men came back and told him what Nabal had said, David was ready to go to war. Now, that's probably what Saul would do. He would go to war. So I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you that David's retaliation was right. Newsflash, David did some wrong things in his life. This may have been one of them. Now, nonetheless, it was the nature of a king if he was threatened to do something about it. So this was the culture. And he was ready to take this old naval, the house of naval, we're going to make it to the parking lot of naval here in a minute. That was the idea. And he called his men to arm themselves and march for battle against the household of naval. You know, it's so easy to lash out in anger when we're being done wrong. And isn't it just almost admired in our world for if you're done wrong, for you to say, well, I'm just going to take care of this. I'm going to go bless them out. I'm going to uh, give them the, kind of, the same kind of respect they gave me, you know. I'm going to make a scene. And that's, it's almost admired in our world today. 
if something happens to you, go do something about it. Now, I'm not telling you that that's not always the appropriate thing to do. I mean, there's a time certainly to protect yourself and things of that nature. But every time somebody does you wrong, you don't just lash out. That's right. And this is sort of what David did here. I mean, <laughs> Nabal just said some bad things, okay? And we're prepared to ruin this man. I'm not going to tell you it was right. And in the meantime, a servant that was nearby overheard the encounter between Nabal and David's men and rushed to inform Abigail. The servant told Abigail how Nabal had disrespected David and his men by refusing to offer anything to them. And instead, Nabal had screamed insults at them. And the servant told Abigail the whole story. David had been protecting this household on his own decision. Nobody asked him to this whole time. David's men had been a wall of protection. And the servant implored Abigail, do something about this before it gets out of hand. Something bad is getting ready to happen. And somehow, you have to make peace in the midst of chaos. And so Abigail, the scripture tells us, sprang into action. And without Nabal telling, without telling Nabal her intentions, she prepared a platter of wine and meats and cakes, other delicacies as a peace offering for David and his men. No price was too high to save her household from destruction. And so... However foolish Nabal was, he was her husband and she was a part of that family. God gave her wisdom to act on behalf of her family. In the midst of chaos, Abigail had inspiration and a desire to have peace in her home. Even though her husband, for lack of a better word, was ignorant. Anything can be going on in your home. But if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've been given power to make peace in that situation. Amen. I don't care Amen. if they're possessed with a thousand devils. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you can make peace in your home. Somebody said amen. Amen. You can make peace. And at the beginning of this account, Scripture expresses the difference between Nabal and Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings. Left unchecked, Nabal would have destroyed everything for which he had worked. He had lost value for his family and respect unto God. His wicked ways were destined to catch up to him at some point. But thankfully, he had a wise wife named Abigail who stepped up as a leader and brought peace to the home. Now I want you to understand this. It may, all, it may not always be immediate, but at least over time, God will always take down an enemy of truth. 
Because let, let me say this this morning, and, and I want to make this abundantly clear. We're living in a world of postmodernism. If you don't know what that term means, I'm going to express it to you real quick. It means that to me, I believe that this is a box of Kleenex, but Brother March, he's got his own truth. And Brother March says this is a gold brick. That's what postmodernism says. And we need to respect that Brother March believes that this is a gold brick. I need to protect it for him. Even though, ladies and gentlemen, in truth, this is a box of Kleenex. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? This is, this is a prevailing belief in our world today. And so here's what comes with that. We all believe you ought not rob a bank. But this brother over here believes he was born with the fulfillment of his life is just to rob a bank. And he doesn't think it's wrong, so we ought to let him do it. That's postmodernism. And it says that there is no truth. He has a truth. She has a truth. I have a truth. And they have a truth. And we need to respect every bit of it. You know what? There is only one truth. Amen. Uh, it can't be escaped. The gospel is final. And God has established it. And there is no changing to it. There's only one truth. Amen. And if there's an enemy of that truth, God, over time, if they'll continue to be an enemy of truth, He'll take care of that person without help from anybody else. Yes. And Nabal was an enemy of truth in the home. And living in a world when peace is so scarce, how can we make peace a priority in our homes? You can speak peace into your home. Right. You can do it. Amen. Sister Kirsten and I, at, at a point where we feel like there's been a spiritual attack, have walked our home and anointed things with oil and spoken the name of Jesus over our home, and peace has prevailed because of it. Amen. You can do that. Now, you can call pastor and that's fine and he can come help you, but I'm just telling you today, you can do that on your own without help from anybody if you've got the Holy Ghost. Yes, and you amen. believe on God that he'll make peace in your home. Yes. It don't have to be a spiritual attack. It can be strife in your home. And you can pray against that and God will respect it and honor it. Yes, Amen. And so we can make peace a priority in our home in a world where there is no peace. And so we have Abigail and David. He's got his men up here on the hill and they are readying themselves. They've got their weapons in hand. They're on their horses. They're ready to go to war. And off in the distance, they see a donkey approaching and walking toward them. And there is this woman that has a platter with her. And all of a sudden, that just stifles the aggression. It stops the plan. What we might consider an evil plan. Who is this woman that is coming with this plan? Now, I want to back up just for a minute and remind you of something. There was a day when a young man left the field of the sheep to an escalating battle, bringing bread and cheeses, and his name was David. 
a conflict that was going on that God needed to solve. And now David is in the middle of the conflict that's about to happen. And he sees somebody coming, approaching the battlefield with a platter of food. I just have to believe that this is orchestrated by God. Amen. I've got no other choice this morning but to believe that. And all of a sudden, David is disarmed as the food approaches and she apologizes and says, this is my peace offering. Please don't destroy my household. You know what would have happened if this would have took place? I can tell you what would have happened. The plan was that they would storm that house and not only kill Nabal, but every male in that home would be killed, including every shepherd they had been protecting. The destruction of a home would take place. Amen. But there was a woman who said, I want to have peace in my home. And it's going to be by the help of God it's going to happen. Amen. And we got to fight for our family. We've got to fight for our kids. We've got to fight for our spouse. We've got to fight for our home. Somebody say amen. That's right. Because there are spiritual attacks. Yes. Sometimes subtle, a lot of times every day, maybe you don't realize it, but the devil is set on taking your home yes, in whatever way he can manage it. But somebody's got to step out and protect against the destruction of your home. Yes. Amen. And it's got to be God's way. I don't know what way that is today, but we've got to fight for our home. We've got to teach truth to our family. We've got to give those kids a godly example. Because when they go out of the home, they're not always going to see a godly example. In an uncertain world, we can give them certainty on what to believe. When everybody's saying, here's their truth and their truth, and you need to think about this person's truth, don't offend them. We need to be saying, here is the truth. <laughs> don't ever doubt it. This is what God says about that. Amen. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. We can promote peace, not even just in our home, on the workplace. Now, I work in a job where there's a lot of conflict. And Sister Betty works a similar job to what I do. There's a lot of conflict in our job because basically we tell people when they're not doing the job right. They don't, they don't like that, you know, and don't be rude about it, but they need to know it's my job. You know? And there's times where they react pretty bad to that. I could say, yeah, I could tell them to jump off the nearest cliff. I don't know what that would accomplish. Now, at work, you can't lash out, but you don't need to get run over either. I'm not telling you not to stand up for yourself, but you don't need to lash out. You can promote peace at work. You can make peace happen at work. Now, I tell you, that God will deal with the situation. I've told you he'll take care of an enemy of truth. Let me tell you what happened to the scoundrel Nabal. Nabal eventually reaped the reward of his evil sowing. As Abigail arrived home, she found Nabal in the middle of a feast, drinking and eating with excessive indulgence. He was drunk and she saved her story about what had just happened because he's not going to understand it. 
and he didn't even know you were near destruction in your home. And I come back to find you partying. And when the time come that the alcohol had finally worn off, Abigail told Nabal about the encounter with David. And Nabal, at the time that he found out about her peace that she made happen over that home, the Bible says that Nabal collapsed from a stroke and lay paralyzed on his bed for 10 days before God finally took his life. You're not fighting battles alone. That's right. That's right. And God sees your struggle. And you deal with it for a period of time. You do what's right. And God will make that situation perfect in his eyes. And he'll do what needs to be done. You won't have to do it. That's right. He will do it because he protects and he desires for peace in your life. God wants peace for his kids, for his children. He wants peace in every saint of God's home and in your life. Maybe this morning you're thinking, well, I do not have peace. I can tell you where you start on your knees That's in right. prayer. Amen. You find for yourself peace in God. And then tell God, Lord, I desire peace in my home. Not just in me, for my kids, for my family, for my spouse. I want peace in their life. And God will respect that prayer. He will honor it. And he says, vengeance is mine. And I will take care of that issue if you will let me and hand it to me. Give me the struggle and I'll take care of it. Amen. Parting while his family was in imminent danger. I heard a sermon one time by Brother Paul Mooney. And he told the story of a day in his home in Indianapolis. There was a huge rain that took place. And their basement became flooded up above the knees. And if you know Brother Mooney and Sister Mooney, they're not at an age to be dealing with something like that. But they had to do it. And they got down there and they seen it. And it was just like, I mean, can you imagine the, the feeling of going down to your basement and seeing knee-deep water? Talking about your heart just sinking. What are you going to do, especially at about the age of 75? Um, and he just kind of sat down on the step down to the basement and said, baby, we got to call somebody. I don't know what we're going to, we can't do a whole lot. And for some reason, I don't, he never explained it. I don't understand why. They just sat for a minute. And Sister Mooney spoke up and said, Well, Paul, I think I'm going to order some pizza. And Brother Mooney turned and looked up from the step and said, Baby, why are we ordering pizza when there's water in the basement? And he preached a message about there's people who are out ordering dinner while their home is flooded. 
There's people that are out having fun and being concerned with, it, with everything else when their home is at the brink of destruction. Now, folks, even in ministry, my responsibility before it is to minister in a pulpit and to be a minister in this church is for my family. And in your home, it comes first, too. Yes. Don't be out ordering pizza when the basement's flooded. And that's exactly what Nabal was doing, and there was a consequence yes, there to was. that. But somebody, when destruction had come, said, I'm going to make peace in my home. And I'm going to go out on the battlefield and do what it takes to make sure that all of my sons live and all of my kids make it. And they have a home that they can be proud of, even if there's somebody that's not serving God and doing right. God wants a peacemaker in the home. Yes. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to just end with this. Each afternoon, a young girl would go to a pastor's home, not to play with the children, not because they had good food, just to sit on the couch. And the pastor's wife would ask if the young girl needed anything, and her answer was always simply no. The pastor's wife let the girl know that if she needed to talk, the pastor's wife would stop what she's doing and sit down and listen. The young girl said there was no need. She was comfortable just sitting in the living room. And after a while, the young girl would leave and she would go home. And this went on for several days. Finally, one day the pastor's wife sat down with the girl and asked why she came to their house just to sit on the couch. And the young girl replied, I love to sit here because I feel peace in this home. And it's not where I live. You never know who when you're around them, you're just peace to them. Because of the way you've chosen to live. Because of the way you carry yourself. Because of who you've cho chosen to be. And today, what I'm saying is we ought to anoint, we ought to speak peace in our homes. Maybe you feel like today that, well, I've got a pretty peaceful home, nothing happens. I'm not trying to spook anybody today, but the devil still issues attacks against you if you've got perfect peace. You ought to continue to anoint your home in peace. And I'm giving you permission today as a minister, go home at some point and anoint your home and speak peace. It's going to be a place of godliness. This is going to be a place where nobody's afraid, where people feel comfortable, where if somebody who comes from a broken home walked into this place, they would feel peace. Don't you want that for your home? Don't you want your home to be a place you can walk into and just let everything roll off of you because the presence of the Holy Ghost is in that place? I want that for my home. Amen. And I want my family to feel that when they walk in. Now, sometimes, folks, it's, it's 
there's no, praying is not going to do it. Maybe there's something you need to get out of that home. And that's a different subject. You may need to do that for there to be peace. But what I am saying is you can pray peace into your home. Amen. Could we just pray for a minute right now? Would you lift your hands and ask God for peace? Maybe in your mind, your mind just doesn't have peace. You're consumed with worry. You're consumed with thoughts of what will happen, what's taking place, what you're struggling with, what your battle is. God wants to take those worries from you today. He wants to take those things away from you and give you perfect peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And He wants to be the Prince of Peace for you today if you'll let Him be that. Come on. Speak to the Prince of Peace right now. Ask for perfect peace from the Lord to come to your home, to your life, to your mind, to your thoughts. Amen. God wants you.